Welcome to Industry Focus, the show that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. Today we're talking energy and industrials. It is Thursday, the 25th of January, and we're going to be discussing the freight transportation industry. I'm your host, Sarah Priestley, and joining me in the studio is a very special guest, Seth Clevenger from Transport Topics. So, Seth, thank you so much for joining me today. Well, absolutely. It's great to be here, and I appreciate the chance to be on. You braved the cold to get here. <laughs> yeah, you know, I had a, maybe a block and a half outside, mm-hmm. uh, but it wasn't too bad. Um, so Transport Topics is the go-to place uh, for news in the front transportation industry. You guys cover everything from regulation to new tech to major industry events. But what's your particular area of kind of expertise and interest? Sure. So my particular focus tends to be on the technology side of trucking. So any, anything from electronic logging devices to automated driving technology, kind of how, how technology is bringing the industry forward you know, is, is where I spend most mm-hmm. of my time. But I, I dabble in it all. <laughs> well, technology, I'm sure, is keeping you busy on its own at the minute. It is, absolutely. um, So there's a few things I want to talk to you about today, uh, because though the freight transportation industry may may not be seen as the sexiest topic by a lot of people. Oh, I um, disagree. (laughs) (laughs) It has been in the news repeatedly in the past year due to self-driving tech, um, as I'm sure you're very familiar with, the driver shortage and the ELD mandate, the electronic logging device. Uh, So the first thing I wanted to ask you about is this new regulation, which is kind of the biggest thing that's happened in the trucking industry in the last 50 years or so. Um, So I think it was first announced December 2015 that it was coming in and it it just came in at the end of last year. So firstly, what exactly is it? Sure. So this is indeed a a landmark regulation for the trucking industry and ELDs or electronic logging devices. These are devices that are installed in a truck cab to automatically record when the vehicle is in motion, when the driver is driving. So uh, long haul truck drivers, commercial truck drivers are required to follow hours of service. These are uh, driving time limits uh, to make sure that drivers aren't driving while fatigued. It's a, a safety regulation that's been in place for a long time. And up until December of last year, this was done in many cases with paper logbooks. And of course, paper logbooks are inexact. They take time to fill out. And of course, they can be fudged. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the idea here is to move the whole industry to an electronic system that is synchronized with the engine to make sure that hours of service are indeed followed. Lots of big trucking companies have already been using these for many years, You know, some for decades even. But a lot of the smaller carriers are just now getting on to ELDs. And there was uh, quite a rush uh, last year to get compliant with the rule. went into effect December 18th. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, it sounds like there's still a, a learning process and there's still a process of making sure that the whole industry is on board. You know, the uh, enforcement has been um, phased in, if, if you will. Uh, still kind of a conversation in some cases between enforcement and carriers that are still that are still learning about ELDs but come April 1st is kind of maybe a harder deadline where trucks will be put out of service for not having an ELD. Okay. And then this kind of like hours of service limit, the 55 hours, mm-hmm. uh, that's always been the case. It's just now it's more easily enforced. Right. right. So the rules themselves are not changing. Uh, hours of service don't change with ELDs, but it's all about enforcement. Mm-hmm. You're going from a paper system to an electronic system which, of course, is, you know, eliminates or makes fraud much more difficult mm-hmm. and puts the whole industry on a, on a, on a consistent standard. And, uh, yeah, it's all about enforcing the rules that are already in place. And there's interesting questions about how that will affect truck capacity, right, freight capacity, you know, because um, it's pretty tight right now. There's, mm-hmm. there's a lot of demand. There's a lot of freight being moved and uh, not a whole lot of trucks. Um, you know, maybe, um, you know, that means that, 
trucking companies are able to command pretty good rates in the market right now. Uh, shippers really want to make sure they're working with carriers that are compliant, that are that are doing the right thing. Uh, so it's uh, uh, a lot of focus and a lot of you know, interest in seeing what happens with freight capacity. Well, the stakes are pretty high for the retailers. If you know if a truck gets taken out of service and it's got right. their, their load in it, yeah. uh, then that can be kind of disastrous. But um, so the Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration, yes, FMCSA, <laughs> FMCSA, uh, brought this in to try and increase road safety. Um, you know, increase compliance, get away from deaths and injuries that are caused by fatigued drivers. Uh, but what is this really going to do? This this isn't necessarily going to affect some of the big carriers like the JB Hunts right. of the world and the XPOs. It's more going to be the individual uh, sure. driver owners. How many driver owners? Is, is this a big yeah. scale problem? So, it, well, there's. The, the trucking industry, the freight transportation industry, is very fragmented. You know, you have the big companies, some of the, the na- big names you just mentioned, but you know, still the, the bulk of the freight is moved by small and medium-sized carriers. Uh, it's not like parcel delivery where you have UPS and FedEx and the Postal Service and maybe a few regional players. Uh, trucking is, is so much of, of trucking is small and medium-sized, so there's so many companies that need to learn about this, that need to figure this out. It's not just you know a, a handful of companies; it's thousands and thousands. Mm-hmm. Um, and as you mentioned, this is going to definitely affect productivity. I think there was a report done recently that said the trucking industry will actually lose between three and five percent of its overall productivity. Smaller carriers potentially losing six to ten percent productivity. Um, you suggested this is going to increase rates. What else are we going to see as a result of this? Yeah. So. There's going to be more demand for drivers, which I think mm-hmm. is already uh, an issue. Um, you know, maybe yeah, I, I, let me just kind of circle back and suggest that what happens with productivity and capacity really kind of depends on just how well you're following hours of service today. I mean, you know, the, the companies that are already doing a good job of this, already using ELDs, should see very little effect. But you know, frankly, they stand to gain. You know, as as some of their competitors perhaps have to get a better handle on it. Uh, but if you you know a company that's you know maybe not dotting their their eyes and crossing their t's on hours of service may indeed see a, a you know pretty significant decline in. Uh, in, in miles, mm-hmm. you know, because those, you know, you, you can't just fudge the logbook anymore. Mm-hmm. And it's those kind of one day long hauls that are going to be hampered most by Right. This. That's kind of, that's the, the range where you, you can see a difference. And some of the factors that come in, uh, you know, truck parking is an issue across the industry. Uh, so if you're approaching your hours uh, limit and you want to park, there's no parking, you have to go to the next truck stop, there's an issue there. Uh, but that's an ultimately an issue with hours of service, not the ELDs. I mean, that's an issue today, and it has been an issue for a long time. But maybe with ELDs and some of the data that can be collected with that, uh, you know, there are ways to maybe better plan and you know make sure that drivers aren't being asked to do something that can't be done within the legal limits. So mm-hmm. I think we're going to see better planning and better compliance uh, at the end of the day. And are these ELD is the actual equipment to install expensive? Doesn't have to be, mm-hmm. you know. Some of the systems that have been on the market for a long time. I mean, these have been geared at the larger fleets that want to do a lot more than electronic logging. So some of these systems are also used for capturing engine data that can tell you how the driver's performing, how the vehicle's performing. So the companies that are really proactive really want to do a, a great job of coaching their drivers and monitoring their equipment. 
they're buying you know kind of the Cadillac ELDs, you know the the expensive systems. But if you just want to comply with the rule, just meet the bare requirements of the regulation, it can be really cheap. I mean, we're talking you know maybe a twenty dollar per month service charge with free hardware, you know zero installation. A lot of these newer systems are just a phone app plus a small plug-in device that you can plug into the truck's diagnostic port. So really, just you know, there's in terms of hardware. It can just be using the driver's smartphone mm-hmm. plus a small device, uh, and there are some cases where you can just buy a, a, a device, a dedicated device, and then not have any service charges. So you just buy you know the device and you're done. Mm-hmm. Uh, so cost is not if you're operating in interstate commerce, you know twenty dollars a month. Shouldn't uh, be that big. Not <laughs> yeah, it, it's pretty slim, but... pretty minuscule. Mm-hmm. I mean, trucking operates on small margins, mm-hmm. but not that small. Yeah, you know, not that small. <laughs> um, the one thing I did want to ask you about is because I know that trucks with engines built before two thousand are exempt right. for this. Are we going to see? Do you think um, increased prices in the used trucking truck market? Well, those trucks, there will be. I, I've heard anecdotally, mm-hmm. uh, indeed, there is some demand for you know pre two thousand trucks. You know, is based on the engine. Uh, you know, so if you're looking at glider kits with a newer truck that has an older engine, uh, that's that's one uh, option that some of the smaller companies have been looking at. Uh, yeah, anecdotally, I do hear that there is demand for mm-hmm. older trucks, and we saw that even with the introduction of some of the after-treatment systems, you know, DPFs, diesel particulate filters, in 2007. Uh, there was a big pre-buy. Lots of companies bought trucks right before that threshold. Mm-hmm. Uh, we may see something on a smaller scale with ELDs, and I think we there is you know, maybe people hold on to their older trucks a, a little bit longer. But you know, two thousand—that's a pretty old truck by now. Yeah, that's you know, not so a long-term solution. You know, and yeah, if you're a lot of those trucks are going to have a million miles on them by now, which is kind of the the end life for a truck like this. Mm-hmm. Um, so for investors, essentially, what we're, what we're kind of saying then is there could be a boon for some of the bigger players in the industry as they command greater rates. Yeah, I think so. Um, I think I read somewhere that through the December, the, the holiday period, there was uh, five trucks for every 12 loads that needed to be delivered. Yeah, well, I'm not sure if that know. was the case everywhere, but yeah. uh, certainly uh, demand is high for truck capacity mm-hmm. uh, right now. Uh, and ELDs, I think, are certainly, at least the conventional wisdom is that that is the case. I certainly agree with that. Uh, that's that's playing a, a large factor um, in this capacity crunch. But, um, you know, if you have trucks that are compliant, if you understand ELDs, if you already do, do a great job of complying with the hours of service limits, um, you stand to gain. So, mm-hmm. yeah, and that's pretty much all of the large players in trucking already have equipped these devices in many cases for you know, several years. And, you know, there's one company in particular that has been using them for, for 20 wow. uh, voluntarily. Mm-hmm. Um, and they just wanted to make sure that they comply with the law. They don't have legal problems and they're doing a good job of being a safe company. Uh, so those companies that have been doing this for a long time are well, are very well positioned. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And then another thing that uh, you mentioned earlier is the um, shortage of drivers, which we've seen recently. Um, I think NPR just did a big article on it um so one concern with elds is actually more people leaving the industry some of these independents i don't know if that's actually going to happen mm-hmm. uh but is the shortage of drivers having a palpable effect right now and, and what do you think is the solution well i you know i think that that was a little bit more bark than bite mm-hmm. um you know I'm, I'm sure that there's a little bit of that out there but you know when you look at the price you know if you're talking about 20 dollars a month it's hard to imagine leaving the industry over that 
Um, and if you're leaving the industry because you're no longer able to fudge your logbook, then frankly, <laughs> maybe you should be leaving the industry anyways. Uh, I, I, there's not been any sort of mass exodus that mm-hmm. I've been aware of. Uh, and the stories that I hear from the the bigger trucking companies that have already been using ELDs for a long time, they they describe so, sometimes a, a little bit of resistance at first when they make an implementation, but then soon a lot of those same drivers will say that, you know, this is saving me time. I don't have to manually keep track of and fill out my my logbook. I don't I'm, I, I don't forget it. And then I'm you know have you know the the roadside inspector tells me that I'm have a violation because I forgot to fill out my logbook. It's all taken care of. So in many cases, the drivers actually like it once they they learn about it. Uh, these are more the company drivers, uh, the ones that are uh, working for for fleets. And I think on the owner operator side, you know, if you're operating within the legal limits, I don't think it's anything to fear. And I, I think that uh, you know, I, I don't think that the you know any sort of mass exodus is going to be a you know, a, a big problem for capacity. I think I see it's more of a uh, a little bit of hours of service compliance along the edges. Maybe you had 15 minutes or half an hour here or there uh, where you, you shouldn't have done it. And uh, now with with ELDs, you're more careful and you make sure that you stay within the, the legal limits. Mm-hmm. I think um, it's also a very kind of an aging workforce. I think the average age right. of a trucker is about 55 right now. Um, and so, you know, you focus on tech and I'm sure you're fully versed as <laughs> more than anybody else on all of the self-driving stuff that's coming out. But it's a real, it could potentially be really serious for the industry, a serious help because 70% of the goods in the US are moved by trucks. We still need trucks. People are buying more right. and more online. Yes, so. yes. Uh, trucks aren't going anywhere. This is for sure, for certain. Um, and, and the driver issue is one that's really been plaguing the industry for a long time. Uh, you know, lots of people, you know, in the younger generations just have not looked at trucking as a career option. Uh, you know, it's kind of a, you know, it's really kind of a cultural thing. I mean, you think about, uh, you know, parents and kids these days, it's kind of an expectation, you know, uh, if, if you have any prospects of going to college, that's what you should do. Uh, you're pushed down that path. And uh, some of the more vocational uh, jobs uh, are really kind of underserved. I mean, mm-hmm. the workforce is not really aligned to the needs uh, and that's certainly the case uh, in in the transportation industry. So it's a real challenge for the industry right now to find ways to attract younger people to to look at a driving job. And maybe some of this technology is part of the answer. Automated driving tech, uh, I think, is something that is going to be interesting and exciting to to younger people. Maybe it can allow more people to become safe drivers if you have more systems on board to uh, serve as a backup for the driver. And over time, I think that you know we'll we'll see uh, you know companies look at this technology not just as a way to be safe, but also as a as a recruitment mm-hmm. tool. That's interesting. Um, I've seen some estimates suggesting that we could have driverless car- driverless trucks, sorry, on the road by 2021. Um, that seems really soon to me. What, what do you make of that? Yeah, well, let me dial that back a little bit. And, you know, it's, it's kind of funny. I almost have to, to change my uh, <laughs> message a little bit, depending on who I'm talking to. If I, you know, sometimes you'll talk to truck drivers who are very dismissive of the technology. This will never happen. And I feel the need to, to be kind of a wake-up call. Yes, this is coming. And then you talk to maybe younger people, some you know, students, and they think, oh, so there's not going to be any truck drivers in five years. <laughs> there will be truck drivers in five years. There will be truck drivers in 20 years. Um, I think there will be truck drivers long be- beyond that even. Uh, so automation I see coming to the industry in stages. 
Uh, all the big players are working on this. All the big manufacturers and suppliers are looking at ways to add levels of automation and, and driver assist tech. The big uh, truck makers, the, the established truck makers, are all kind of looking at this as a driver assist level right now, for the most part. And then you have technology companies like Uber and Waymo and uh, some startups like Embark and uh, Starsky Robotics that are working on ways to get to a higher level of automation where the driver can uh, is no longer needed um, to to monitor the road. And, and maybe the driver you know rests in the sleeper berth while the truck's on the highway. Maybe the driver is controlling the truck remotely. There's there's some companies working on that. Uh, or maybe in some very limited cases, we may even see. Um, unmanned trucks, but I think that that's going to be very, very s- localized, small deployments. Uh, you know, we have that now on private sites and, you know, like the mining industry. Maybe we'll see that at truck terminals off the public roads. And maybe you'll see a, a one state that wants to be really aggressive, attract a lot of uh, technology investment and wants to really be a leader and a couple pioneers that will have maybe one freight corridor that's in a, in a sparsely populated area out west, and and you'll see some some driverless trucks in very small numbers. That's possible. I can see us seeing something like that within a few years. But the the majority of the trucks that are moving the freight, I think, are going to remain uh, manned with a driver, uh, but with more and more technology to help the driver. And maybe uh, before too long, we get to a point where there's an autopilot system for highway driving. You know, automating the last piece, you know, the, the city driving, the last mile, that is really, really difficult. Mm-hmm. You know, when you take the driver out, you have to worry about things like who's going to put the, you know, snow chains on the tires or put out the emergency flare. I mean, trucks break down. Yeah. I mean, that's the real miracle wouldn't be a self-driving truck. It would be a truck that doesn't break down. <laughs> you know, that, that, would be, that would be the one that, uh, you know, the trucking fleets would, would truly, you know, rejoice over. But um, I don't see that day coming. Things are going to break down. So, you know, that driver is, is really valuable even, you know, as you as they become perhaps more like a systems manager, kind of akin to a, a commercial airline pilot, mm-hmm. uh, which I do see happening over time. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think I completely agree with you. I think for the foreseeable future, it will definitely be in stages and drivers will almost become more important uh, and more highly skilled, essentially. Yes, I think so, too. Um, but yeah, it's it's interesting to see because it, everybody gets so caught up in, you know, Uber's uh, right. delivery of, the, I think they did like 120 miles to deliver some beer in Colorado right, yes. <laughs> and all those kind of things. And they are, they're great. I'm sure that we will eventually get there. But in the interim period, it's going to be a lot of this, um, you know, lane check and and all those kind of assistance, Mm -hmm. because there's just so many edge cases that they can't really factor The last 1% is so difficult. Yeah, exactly. Um, So you mentioned a few companies that are are working on it. Um, So obviously Uber, private companies working on it, Tesla, uh, Alphabet's Waymo. Uh, They're all trying to make this possible, but at different kind of stages. And it will be interesting to see who fights this out to be who's going to be the dominant tech. Uh, in this industry. Absolutely. And there's lots of different ways. I mean, uh, lots of suppliers are lining up to compete with each other. um, And the truck makers are all looking for an edge. You know, Mm -hmm. what can we do? They're all working on it. They all are pursuing this. Um, It's just how they do it. And uh, yeah, there's quite a battle lining up, you know, uh, on the software side. I mean, with companies, you know, like Uber and Waymo on the sensor sensor development side. uh, And uh, and actually just the... um, you know the the braking and steering piece of it. Uh, there's been lots of acquisitions, merger and acquisition activity there. So a lot of the the big uh, braking suppliers and 
the North American trucking industry have all have acquired uh, steering companies to prepare themselves for That's this. Interesting. Uh, yeah. So you know, we see it in the passenger car market, as you alluded to, with uh, you know, lane keep assist. We're starting to see some of that type of capability reach the market. And we'll see that pretty soon in trucking. I think that you'll see uh, big truck makers offer as an option some level of automated steering within the next few years. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that that's going to be, and that's going to be a broad availability across the industry. Not to say broad adoption, but you know, when you buy a new truck, that's an option that you can choose. Yeah. So slowly, the the, the market will kind of right. turn over into these. Um, and one other thing that I wanted to mention to you, because I don't know if people are aware of it, is platooning. Uh, this idea where they kind of go in convoy and how how much of that is automated? Is it that there's no drivers in the back vehicles? Or? Right. So platooning, I think, is best to to think of it as a kind of a parallel technology to automation. Uh, so it can have various levels. Uh, there's a company called uh, Peloton Technology that's preparing to to launch their system. They've been doing lots of tests and uh, they're looking for a launch this year. And uh, that's only what's known as level one automation. I don't want to get too into the weeds mm -hmm. on this, but that means that the driver is still steering the truck. I mean, there's two trucks. Um, the driver is still steering, but feet are off the pedals. And it's a form of adaptive cruise control, which has been out in the market. And what's new about platooning is it adds vehicle-to-vehicle -vehicle communication. So these two trucks are sending signals back and forth, and their braking systems are automatically synchronized. So once you're in this kind of this this adaptive cruise control, uh, the truck will the two trucks will automatically speed up or slow down uh, to maintain a close following distance, actually a much closer following distance than would normally be safe for a human driver. And they can do that because the set the sensors, the systems will pick up when they need to stop. And as soon as that first truck starts braking, the second one immediately brakes at the same time. You don't have the one to two second lag delay of the human response. And that means you can go in this much more aerodynamic, close formation. And it's really, uh, platooning is really mostly a fuel economy play. Uh, so, and you think about all the, you know, the, the massive amount of money that these companies spend on fuel. If you look at, you know, up to a 10% fuel economy gain for the, the following truck, that's really significant. These companies are looking for 1% to 2% here and there, so a 10%. That could be attractive for these companies, mm -hmm. and I think you'll see some, some early adopters. Uh, look at it for that reason. Uh, and then over time, as automation gets more sophisticated, you can add an automated steering piece to that. And then, you know, one of the leading theories that I think has a lot of merit to it is that some of the first truly driverless trucks, unmanned trucks, on the road will be the following truck in a platoon. So you have two trucks. The first truck is, is, has a driver with driver assist technology helping them. The second truck will be unmanned. That's something that could happen in fairly short order. I mean, that doesn't have. That's not decades down the down the the road. I don't think. Mm -hmm. uh, one last thing I wanted to ask you about because we have a lot of Tesla fans here is yeah. what What did you make of the Tesla Semi? Yeah, so uh, I was fortunate enough to be there at the uh, unveil in in L.A. Uh, back in November, and um, of course it was a t very typical uh, Tesla event. You know, lots of the Tesla super fans were all there. You know, you know, uh, very enthusiastic, and uh, you know, and, and Tesla of course brings kind of this coolness factor that you you know is uh, you know might have some some appeal to to trucking as it looks to attract some younger drivers, uh, as we mentioned earlier. Uh, you know, this is a, a really fascinating concept. You know, this is an all-electric Class 8 truck. 
Uh, it's not a hybrid. It's not. There's no no fossil fuels at all. Uh, it's relying solely on electric power. Um, up to a 300 mile range is what uh, Elon Musk uh, said would be at least for the longer haul version. I mean, this is still only going to be a regional truck, uh, and will and I imagine that the early adopters will only be using it for uh, local routes and maybe some regional haul where it's a kind of a line haul. It's point A to point B for a specific customer that wants to take advantage of it and have. Uh, you know, be able to say that they're they're moving their freight. You know, zero emissions. Mm-hmm. You know, we're a greener company. Uh, and, and there's been some interest. You know, the, the truck won't be produced until at least 2019. Uh, this was just the unveiling of the of the vehicle. Uh, but some of the big players are already lining up to secure orders. You know, some of the big companies that like to test all the alternative fuel options out there. Uh, you know, UPS. Uh, you know, Walmart mm-hmm. uh, are among the, the big names that have already. Uh, placed reservations for significant numbers of, of trucks, uh, of Tesla semis, and uh, we'll be quite interested. I was able to sit in the seat, but I wasn't able to test drive it, oh, so wow, I can't. That's, I that's can't awesome. give you a review there. And it's a very different cab, isn't it? It's a very different cab. In fact, it uh, feels like you're in a Formula One race car because <laughs> the uh, the the driver's seat and there's one. There's not two seats. Uh, the, is in the center of the cab. You're not offset to the left. Uh, which is a very different feel. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's a design aimed at improving visibility for the driver. If you're ever in a big rig, you'll see how difficult it is to see around you. Uh, so this is part of Tesla's way of, of solving that. There's a jump seat, so you can have a, you know, kind of like an airline jump seat, you know, for a flight attendant. So if you have a driver training kind mm-hmm. of situation, you can have a somebody also there. But it's really, you're sitting in the middle of the vehicle, which is a very different feel. Uh, and... Uh, I think some old school drivers would, will absolutely hate that, and I think some younger people will think, "Wow, this is so cool! I can't wait to drive this." Yeah. So it really just right. depends. Yeah, it just depends who you are, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I think that uh, you know some of these companies will definitely uh, use it as a kind of a recruiting tool. And you know, we we talk about Tesla's uh, electric truck. Uh, I should also make it clear that the traditional players, the established truck makers, are all looking at electrification as well. Um, mostly in urban delivery and short haul, uh, but uh, the big players like Daimler Trucks, uh, which is Freightliner, uh, Navistar, Volvo, Packar, they all are, in ver- to various degrees, dabbling in electrification. Mm-hmm. So they all see this as, as a path forward. Yep. You know, diesel's not going anywhere, for, especially for long haul, a regular route where you don't know where you're going from week to week. That's going to be diesel, I think, for a very, very long time. But short haul, fixed route, you know, we could see electrification um, in relatively short order, I think. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be a fascinating change for the industry. Even uh, we were talking about Cummins before we started recording the show. Yeah. Even that, diesel Even engine Cummins. maker. Yeah. Cummins and Cummins is, is synonymous with diesel. You know, they are, you know, they are, they are diesel engines. And, and uh, you know, for, for those who don't know them well, they're the, the largest engine maker for, for Class 8 trucks uh, in, in North America. Uh, and they, they make diesel engines for lots of other applications and industries. Uh, even they are working on uh, getting into the electric game, uh, electrification, uh, electric components for for trucks. Uh, so 
you, you can be pretty sure that this is the way the industry is headed mm-hmm. when 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 Cummins is uh, <laughs> gets on board. Know, the, the the diesel you know the diesel kings are are fully invested in in electric as well. Mm-hmm. Well, Seth, thank you so much for coming in today. Um, you've really broadened my horizons on the trucking industry. That's for sure. Um, and hopefully you can come in again at some point. That absolutely, be great. this is great. I appreciate the the opportunity to be on and. Uh, you know, let's uh, let's make trucking sexier. You know, it's, a, it's, a, it's a fascinating industry. There's a lot of sometimes taken for granted and, and not fully appreciated, but there's lots of interesting things happening. Yeah, absolutely. I 100% agree. <laughs> um, that is it from us today. But if you would like to get in touch, please feel free to email us at industryfocus.fall.com or tweet us on Twitter at MFIndustryFocus. As always, people on the program may own companies discussed on the show and The Motley Fool who may have formal recommendations for or against stocks mentioned. So don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear. The show today was kindly mixed by Austin Morgan. I'm Sarah Priestley. Thanks for listening and fall on. Mm-hmm.